Hello, and welcome to Settling the Score, the show that celebrates the work of media composers. This is episode seven, and with me in the studio, I have Kit Haig. Hello. And Peter Aiken. Hello. And my name's Steve Luck. And we're going to kick off the show today with a track by Terry Jones and Steve Brookfield called A Sunset Stroll.
That was Keith Mills with The First Time. And next up is Phil Pendlebury with a tune called Watching the Rye. I used to be in a band called The Rye. I wonder if this is about watching the band.
So that was a track by uh, Croatian composer Mario Mauer called Poseidon. Uh, so on this month's Settling the Score, we're going to um, talk about showreels for composers, uh, composing showreels, how we go about selecting material for them, um, what sort of factors we might take into account when we're compiling them and sending them off, um, and um, just sort of have a little chat about what uh, you know what each of us do, really. So, um, Peter, can I start with you? What, yes. what sort of... Uh, thought processes do you kind of put into action when you put <laughs> together a showreel? Well, I suppose the first thing you have to consider is, are you going to have one general showreel or are you going to have specific showreels, depending on the client that, you, yeah. that you're going for? Um, I tend to have three or four different showreels, depending on the job I'm pitching for. Um, but over the years, I've kind of refined them. I think when I first started, they were maybe... Well, they were definitely overlong, too varied. And the reality is that most people probably only listen to the first 30 seconds or so. Mm -hmm. um, and I think most people are just looking for a very quick introduction to you, your abilities, the kind of work you've done. Yeah. And so really you've got to be very uh, hard on yourself in terms of editing and just get down to the, the brass tacks of what you are about as a composer. Um, and I think I've just, I think I've got a fairly good showreel now. I've, I've hacked away at it over over time, and now it's about a five minute piece of uh, musical <laughs> wonderment. Musical <brilliance>. Fantastic! <laughs> I think that's, I think that's really um, important. I think I, that uh, um, somebody once said to me, like with all of the tracks that you come up with, you know, probably when you when you if you have to be, you know, force yourself to be really objective, you know that some of this stuff is all right and yeah. and has served a purpose for the job that it's been made for and and some of the stuff you know you really like much more than others and other people seem to like it more than others so so that kind of ability to kind of hone in on on what are the best things that you've ever done is really crucial i think mm -hmm. isn't it cuz like if you're putting stuff on that you don't really that you're not so sure of yourself or whatever then there's no reason for anybody else to to like it as well you know that's right and it can be it can be hard to be that objective about your own work though can't it yeah, I think yeah. you can't really look I mean how do you go about starting to be that objective about your own work because I mean I think I'm pretty good at it personally um, but how do you how do you achieve that kind of objectivity I, I, about your own yeah, work is I it something you I learn am, or I think um, I don't know I, I doubt if I am very objective but I think I think number one is is what we just said is that in your heart you know the stuff that you really like that you've done and I think it's um it's probably better to for your showreel to represent who you are individually rather than try and cover all bases and in the hope that you know someone's going to go hey this guy can do everything um put you put the stuff that you actually think you love on there but the other thing is just to get um you know we've all hopefully got at least some friends um who, who might be more objective than we are and, and <laughs> Peter his head, yeah. <laughs> um, and and kind of i think you know look for a bit of help with that objectivity yeah i, I mean it's, i think um so it's it's a funny thing because uh composers um you know i can remember reading a discussion about this where somebody was saying is it all right to be like really enjoying the music that you're creating you know because <laughs> does it not really feel like it's like 
well, that's that comes across as really kind of either arrogant or big headed, or whatever. You like, you know, really enjoying the stuff that you're coming mm-hmm. up with. But I think you probably have to, really, don't if you? If you don't I mean, enjoy the you music you're doing, it. I think you're probably in the wrong line yeah, of work. Exactly. Why does why does? Uh... I th- yeah, I think I think being a composer is one of the or a musician in general is is one of those jobs where it's it's the kind of it's the kind of job that you should be doing because you're earning a living doing what you love doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you don't love it, there are much easier yeah. jobs to do. Yeah. So one one tip that I had that was that I thought was really helpful was actually to have um, to try to take your complete catalog and and you know have it all collected in one place, and and have a session where you you deliberately try to listen to it objectively, and place things onto like an A list and a B list and mm. a C list, you know, and and say these are these are the very best, the cream of everything that you've ever done. And these are, you know, the other stuff's more kind of, you know, something in the middle. And then the ones which are kind of a lot more throwaway or maybe you don't perceive with the same value. But those perceptions always change over time, I think, or change at different times as well. Like you come back to a piece after like not having heard it and either think, oh, actually, I'm really surprised that that stands up really well and I'm going to really like it. Or you think, oh, it sounds really dated and terrible. and, and, uh, And so I think you can, you know, if you go through that process, I think you can sort of, you know, um, sort out a lot of things and bring to the top you know bring to the the front like whatever is the best stuff
You've just heard Vessels by Tim Oliver, and before that was The Lodge by Jonathan Fletcher. Peter? What about, um, in terms of showreels, do you have an audio showreel or a video showreel? Or both? Well, I, th I think, yeah, both, I think, depending on what the job is that you're trying to pitch for. So, um, I mean, it's really easy now, isn't it? To, to, it's not like... I think showreels always used to be kind of either on cassette tapes or on CDs or whatever. And now it's just like a playlist where you just drag a couple of tracks in and you can... There's no excuse for not tailoring whatever it is that, you, um, you know, that you're putting together for the, the pitch of you know, whatever it is that you're trying to, to get to. And so that involves that you know, the, the work is done in the research of the, you know, mm -hmm. the company that you're trying to pitch to and, and knowing you know, what they're looking for and what projects they're working on, that sort of stuff. So um, it might be that a video thing is appropriate uh, for, for certain things. Um, I know advertisers possibly like to see yeah. uh, a bit more kind of video stuff. And they like to watch stuff that you've done before. Um, maybe for some other things, just audio showreels are better. Because th there is that double-edged thing about videos, I think, where if they don't like the, the footage, if they don't like the package as a whole, the film or the, the clip of uh, a yeah. TV show or whatever it is that you've done... It's hard to separate the music they, they from that. can't separate the music. Yeah. They'll, they'll get a bad impression if they don't like the visuals. You know? Exactly, That's yeah. That's a big part. So. Um, In terms of video showreels, I often have trouble getting examples of work that I've done in a high-quality video format. Does anyone else have similar problems? It, yeah, it depends entirely on who, you know, the, the, the client, the director, the company, whoever it is. You know, some people are brilliant. They'll, they'll yeah. just routinely give you a nice DVD at the end of the project. And others, um, there's some films I've composed for that I've never managed to get a copy to this day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's the same for me as well. Yeah. yeah.
You've just listened to The Answers Overture by Ian J. Cole. Um, so are there, are, you know, if, if composers are looking to put together a showreel, are there any kind of um, uh, sort of bits of advice or kind of, you know, hints and tips that would that would help? I mean, they, 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 I mean, it always used to be like for bands, if you put in, uh, you know, um, uh, the demo tracks for the, you know, the, for, to promote the band, then you always talk about having the best stuff up front. I think mm. that still applies, doesn't it? From what you were saying before about the 30 seconds, like having that kind of... Mm-hmm. Um, I think to spark interest with the initial track that yeah, you put on. Yeah, and maybe resist the temptation to be too varied. Right. Try and pick a couple yeah. of things that you're really good at and showcase that. I think it's it's too easy to have a very varied showreel that's kind of mediocre in a lot of areas rather mm-hmm. than excelling in a couple. Yeah. Um, so yeah. find out what you're best at and highlight that rather than trying to be a jack of all trades. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that this when you're if you're sending a showreel in response to a specific um brief or a specific project that you know is is uh, looking um then you definitely send a track uh, put the track on the f- the first track on the showreel um yeah. should be something that you think is a strong pitch for the for that specific brief and then follow that back that up with um something that shows a bit more range, I think. Yeah. What about um Hard copies? I mean, do we still do CDs and DVDs, or is it all? Linked but that's to a, that's TVs? a really interesting question, isn't it? I mean, it, it almost that ties into the the thing about getting copies of stuff because because now it's not you can still send a CD in a jiffy bag, but mm-hmm. you can you, your showreel could be online, or you could send um, outside of your actual showreel, you could send links to YouTube clips of things that you've worked on, which aren't necessarily yeah. you know. Yeah. So there's a whole other, uh, other options now, aren't there? I still think it's uh, a good thing to actually send a hard copy to somebody mm-hmm. uh, when, av- yeah. when possible because it's, it's almost um, demanding more attention. It's very yeah. easy to send an email with a link. I mean, we all get those you know, yeah. dozens every day yeah. to get a physical product in your hand mm-hmm. yeah. that looks um, decent. Yeah, I mean, the presentation thing. of that stuff's important or yeah. as important as it ever was. And there is something about yeah. it where if less and less composers are doing it, then mm-hmm. actually sending a CD is a bit of a novelty <laughs> and kind of makes out. it stand out. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's um, why I send cassettes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think you know the, the 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 presentation of stuff is is really important, isn't it? So as well, you know, just to because all all of those, I mean, it ties back to that, that idea about trying to talk about marketing. That all bits of communication that you have with potential customers all contribute to their picture of you as a mm-hmm. as a business or as a you know as a potential uh, work colleague. Um, and yes. So therefore, you know, it's important to kind of consider presenting stuff in a way. So um, so that old thing of you know not doing a handwritten note and scrolling it and on you know yeah, on a blank a, CD or whatever <laughs> or scrolled on with a pen and or buy a new no. jiffy bag because they're only like 30p <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah the, scribbled out all the dress yeah, yeah. yeah um and um what about sort of length of showreels I mean I know we're talking about tailoring to the specific pitch you know to the to a specific uh job or specific sector maybe mm-hmm. um I I reckon you know, not really more than ten minutes. Is that, I think that is, is a, that is a like, maximum. Yeah, yeah. people I'm people don't have the time to sit and listen to yeah. you know um, an hour of your music for enjoyment. And yeah, probably a lot shorter than that, really, isn't it? Mm, I mean, absolutely. So it's the idea of it being like it's a calling card rather mm. than like a whole biography and complete listing. Yeah, of all mm. the that's stuff a, that that's a good done. analogy. Mm. It's yeah. it's like giving somebody a business card, and 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 a good business card will give them an impression of um, you know the the, the, the nature of, of what you're about. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's an important part of what you do, the show. It's an important part in the, as a way of kind of introducing you to somebody who doesn't know you particularly well or hasn't ever met you before. Um, but it's, I think it is when people talk about what they look for, the, the showreel is important, but it's maybe not the only thing, you know? So, so if they've had some kind of personal contact with you before, then that kind of plays a, a, a big role in it as well. And also other stuff like experience and the list of credits and stuff that mm. you've got before and track record and recommendations from other people. All of these things all kind of play a, a role in terms of them making a decision about whether they want to take you on or not. Definitely. You, know? you could argue that your showreel is, is, is the equivalent of, you know, pictures on your CV that, yeah. that illustrate, uh, you know, the examples that you've given. Yeah. Would you always send a CV with a showreel as a matter of course? Um, uh, I'd probably more like links. You know, I don't know whether, I mean, I might send some paragraph that says, you know, something along the lines of, um, you know, I'm a composer and I have, you know, a brief sort of sentence or two about highlights of, past uh past career stuff or whatever past other things that i've done but then in just include links to the website where they can if they can delve and find a bit more info if they want to then yeah. uh, i mean cvs are almost another topic to talk about aren't they but i think yeah. in the kind of thing that we do in a cv it should really be as brief as possible and and yeah. not delve too much into the past just give some yeah. kind of key points so that people can see that you're serious and experienced and yeah come across yeah. well yeah. What about the actual tracks on the showreel? Do you use the entire track or do you do sort of 30 second samples? I've, I've done both. Yeah, yeah, I've done both of that. I've done one with like, you know, seven tracks of 30 second clips of seven f- tracks. Do you think stuff. that works? Not not really, not unless it's not because it's a bit of an art to put that together to yeah. make it work really well. If it's yeah. just seven mm. really disparate sounding things, which I think mine was, <laughs> I didn't really, you know, when I listened back to it, I thought, oh, that just sounds a bit crass really a bit naff bit like not it's tempting to do that isn't it especially yeah. if you're having trouble pick you know deciding what your favorite stuff is just go yeah. well i can have 10 seconds of 20 mm-hmm. different things yeah um but it, ultimately it's probably stronger to have if we're sticking within 10 minutes it might only be yeah. you know uh, four or five pieces of music that you're putting on there yeah
Uh, so the first track there was uh, by David Hughes, uh, and it's called Waving at Mono. Um, and the second track there was um, by Arcane Music. That was some uh, Arcane Music is Peter Aiken, who's here in the studio. Hello. Can you tell us anything <laughs> about that track, Peter? Yeah, that track was called Monday, Don't Creep Up On Me. And it was a collaboration with a singer and lyricist called Jessica Martin. Uh, I wrote the music, and she wrote the lyrics, and that appeared on her website. Um, and I think... I think it was played on American radio. I'm not too sure. Right. Um, but that came from her lyrics and melody originally, and I fit the music around it. Did some harmonica in it and nice bits of business. It was a track I'm quite fond of. Great. And next we're going to play one of your tracks, Steve. Yes. Um, so this is um, the, the theme tune to um, a, a pilot episode, I suppose, of... Um, uh, that, uh, of a, an animation series called Farmageddon. Um, so the track's called a Crazy Land, The Crazy Land of Mud. Um, and I kind of did it as a kind of overblown orchestral arrangement with um, a singer called Jacob Robson, who's um, currently studying at the Royal Northern College of Music. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was kind of like a, a demo pitch for um, the theme tune to this animation series, which as yet uh, hasn't been made, but uh, is still kind of a project that's bubbling under somewhere and may well see the light of day at some point. Mm-hmm. 
without a proper home. One night a scary cosmic storm caused his bed to roam. It took him far, far away to a strange and funny farm, where animals can walk and talk and dinosaurs are calm. There's no need for alarm. Farmageddon, come on in and take a peek. In this weird and wacky crazy farm, there's eight days a week. Farmageddon, it's a crazy land of mud. You wouldn't ever want to leave it, even if you could. Even if you could. Tom and Bernie love him so like he's their very own. But Flossie doesn't like this much, it makes her plot and moan. Two rabbits are his best friends now, Dalton and Quilbar. Together this new gang of friends make quite the silly mob. Quite the silly mob. Farmageddon, come on in and take a peek. In this weird and wacky crazy farm, there's eight days of week. Farmageddon, it's a crazy land of mud. You wouldn't ever want to leave it, even if you could. Even if you
That was Chris Cutting with Southwind. And now we're going to play one of your tracks, Kit. Yeah, this is uh, a piece called Homage, and it's an example of one of those things that sometimes sits on the shelf for a while and then finds a, a use somewhere. So uh, I recorded this really for my own amusement several years ago, and then um, it found itself uh, being re-edited, a section of it anyway, and used throughout the night as a sort of sting during the VIP opening of the Sunderland Aquatic Centre, which is a, a wonderful Olympic-sized swimming pool and aquatic facility in Sunderland. And... Um, Yes, it introduced a live video link up with Lord Coe. So, thank you very much for listening to this month's episode. Um, as ever, if you want to get in touch with any comments or suggestions, or um, uh, if you'd like to have uh, your music played on the show, then we'd love to hear from you. Um, the email address to get in touch is info at northernmediacomposers.co.uk. 
Um, and uh, you can keep up to date on our Facebook page. Again, it's Northern Media Composers. Um, and we also have a Twitter feed, which is at NM Composers. And to play us out, we have a track by Philippa Pearson.